Kia ora, I'm Jessie Chang and today on The Detail... There's been a dramatic increase in the amount of meth being seized at our borders. The police and customs have made New Zealand's largest ever seizure of methamphetamine at the border, intercepting a shipment of 613 kilograms with an estimated retail value of $245 million. There's been another huge haul of methamphetamine with police saying Kiwi drug users are being targeted because they are prepared to pay a premium for their high. Drug bust after drug bust, but methamphetamine is still rife in our communities. Methamphetamine is so easily available in New Zealand that addicts can get it delivered in minutes, even in small town. All you've got to do is just find the right person walking down the street, pull over to them and ask. It's as simple as that. Enter Te Ara Oranga, a unique meth harm reduction program in Northland that has been quietly changing the game with police, health and other agencies working together to rid the region of pee. The program does work. It does reduce offending. It does produce benefits. Since it began in 2017, there's been a 34% drop in harm from offending among the people the programs helped. And a recent evaluation report found that for every $1 invested in Te Ara Oranga, there was a return of between $3 and $7. Calls are growing for the program to be rolled out across the country as soon as possible, including from former Prime Minister Helen Clark. So what is Te Ara Oranga? Why do we need it? And what's the hold-up? Darren Walton is one of the co-authors of a recent evaluation report on Te Ara Oranga. For me, learning from an individual who had been a cook, had been in and out of prison, had more than 20 years of being ravaged by addiction of different types, um, trying to get away from gangs of organised crime, even though he was an exceptionally valuable commodity to them in the tour, because he could cook, because he could create meth struggling with this addiction, committing huge amounts of acquisitive crime, meaning shoplifting in this case, and then finally being recognised as being able to get support through the Te Aronga program and getting help. Um, profound impact in terms of just understanding how people get connected to that particular lifestyle and how difficult it is for them to escape it. So Te Ara Oranga was developed for Northland... What do we know about Northland and the meth use there? Well, we have to set it in the context of New Zealand, right? So New Zealand is possibly second in the world in terms of consumption of methamphetamine. We have a population prevalence, a 12-month point prevalence, meaning people have used methamphetamine over the last 12 months when asked, of around 1.1% worldwide prevalence maybe some close to half of that, about 0.6 of a percent. Wow. So we are second only to the USA. You know, the sad thing about New Zealand is our, our users are still paying some of the highest prices at, at a retail level, and the transnational crime groups know this, so they target New Zealand. Northland's meth problem is one of New Zealand's worst. Wastewater testing in recent years has shown population meth use has been four times higher than Christchurch and three times higher than Auckland. The market here is worth around $14 million annually, according to police. And for Māori, the rate may be even higher um, in some surveys, some recent ones at least, um, up to maybe 3.3%, about 1 in 30 people. 
when we talk to the people of Northland and we talk to all the service providers and the service users, it is just about impossible to find someone who is not affected by indirectly the harms of methamphetamine use in their community and their in their whanau. It just is so prevalent that everyone knows someone who is suffering from the consequence of methamphetamine use. In New Zealand, about 55,000 people use methamphetamine, according to that statistic, and maybe we consume up to about 10 kilos of that um, per week based on the wastewater analysis. So in Northland, there might be four and a half, five thousand, five and a half thousand regular users, and Te Aroranga is addressing a good chunk of that, but um, less than 20% at this point. Darren Walton says the demand for the program has been even higher than expected. So how does Te Ara Oranga actually work and what's its point of difference? When people talk about Te Ara Oranga, they'll, they'll describe it as a comprehensive social wellbeing and intervention. But um, they'll also talk about it as being a partnership between police and health, and that's a very important partnership. Health and police got together and suggested that they had some common ground in which they could work which was a fairly unnatural alignment at the time because police and health hadn't worked, at least not at a strategic level, up until that point. He says the programme is not just for users either. It is not a health referral model where users are identified, say, by police and referred to health treatment. It's a voluntary referral system where police and health are active at trying to support individuals, family, whānau and community to address all those issues. That makes it quite unique. And for police, it is quite a radical change. So police set up something called a meth harm reduction team. The meth harm team, as it's shortened to, have quite unique roles within police to actively seek out methamphetamine users for referral to te and they are a big contributor to Te Aroranga by that process. And by seeking out, that means that they don't necessarily wait for someone to have committed a crime or come to their attention for an offence. They may seek out those individuals based on intelligence-led activity, and some of that comes from talking to meth dealers and other users and finding out who those people are in our communities and going and asking them whether they might want help. That's what makes Te Aroranga quite different from overseas models. Those models require a person to be identified as a user before they can get help. Te Aroranga can also take people who have been referred by health organisations. They created new roles, and most notable among those is the Pofano Connector. Pofano Connectors are sometimes people with lived experience, people who have walked a journey of methamphetamine use or other types of troubles. They connect with the community and their role is an especially important one in helping support people who um, enter the program because they um, they can make referrals themselves, but they support individuals to stay within the program as well. It's quite clear that police refer more Māori into the program and that police access quite a different pool of people than health do. Health tend to get people who have health-related problems and police tend to get people who have social harm, I guess, in the form of contact with police. 
which is a really strong feature of the and a really important outcome to understand within the program that health in its traditional model would receive people simply from the points of contact it could make. And by partnering with police, it extends that um, to people that it just simply doesn't have much contact with. So they're quite new and quite challenging roles for health and for police to change the practice away from what was traditional into a quite new model. Mm. What was the traditional model? In some ways, it's the model that operates in other parts of New Zealand, where there isn't a partnership between health and police and other agencies. And it's worth mentioning those other agencies because they deliver the services, places like um, Salvation Army and Odyssey House and Nati Hene Trust. But in other parts of the country, you would simply have an activity to identify uh, and disrupt methamphetamine supply. And there would be no referral based on um, concern for those individuals necessarily. It's not impossible for people to be referred to health, but it wouldn't be structured. And the immediate response that comes from that referral wouldn't wouldn't exist. So a feature of Te Aroranga is that they will talk to a person who's referred within 48 hours. So from the point at which a person has said, okay, I'll, I think I might um, take up that option of getting some support and help for the harms that I'm experiencing through to getting an immediate response uh, is a pretty short space. Other places you may wait a very long time to get uh, a referral. So, like you say, the main objective in, in the traditional model is to disrupt the supply chain. So it's it's more about the law enforcement side of things. Correct. Yep. So police just recognised in Northland they could not arrest their way out of the problem. Uh, there is just far too many users of methamphetamine for that to be a, a reasonable response. Uh, and I suspect that that's possibly true in other parts of the country as well. Uh, there has to be uh, an attempt in, in the philosophy of the Aroranga, the common one, is to get ahead of the problem from both a police perspective, whether before offending might have occurred, that's the core of it, and, and that's what makes it successful. And it's been very successful. The evaluation report found a 34% reduction in harm from offending by the 1,300 or so people who have gone through Te Ara Oranga. Darren Walton compared anonymised data from police and health. We had to account for all the differences between the referral pathways and the different demographics and the other bits and pieces that can be, that just align those groups to ensure that we have a match between those that went through and received treatment through the Te Aroranga programme and then others who receive potentially a, a more traditional level of service through the health system. And then we examine the um, points of contact with police and the type of offending that they engaged in, and we find that it's not the, um, the amount of offending, it's the harm from offending that's reduced across time. Right. So the really important, so at least one surprising point for everyone to, to think about is that the type of offending that people engage in when they're identified as, as people going through this sort of service, the most common offence type for people who are using methamphetamine is shoplifting, burglary, theft, other what we call acquisitive crimes, crimes that are designed for the person to gain materially. And they are the key indicator crimes, I guess, for a person needing support for the use of methamphetamine. Your evaluation found that for every dollar invested in Te Ara Oranga, 
it saw a return of between three to seven dollars. Yep. How was that calculated? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because in some ways we we try to be exceptionally conservative. He says they used figures from the Ministry of Health's Drug Harm Index to come up with their own cost-benefit analysis. The Drug Harm Index gives a value to the amount of harm produced by, and in particular, methamphetamine each year in New Zealand based on consumption and based on um, population. So the new version would suggest the total harm from methamphetamine is about $820 million based on a calculation of personal harms, so to the individual through loss of quality of life and then um, social harms. It's a sophisticated, very well thought through index of the costs associated with different drug types, but in this case, methamphetamine. If you divide that 820 million by uh, the 55,000 people in New Zealand that we would estimate to be um, consumers of methamphetamine, then you'll get a statistic that says it's about $15,000 of harm per person per year. Right. Now, the program costs maybe two to $4,000 per person um, entering into it. So you can see that if everyone um, stopped, even just for one year, um, that would be quite worthwhile in terms of the reduction of, of harm. Of course, that's not true. And it's exceptionally difficult to try to work out the amount of relapse. All of those things are very challenging for any type of assessment of costs. But also, and equally, if you successfully divert somebody from the use of methamphetamine and put them on the path to well-being, that benefit is realised over the course of the rest of their life. And that could be several hundred thousand dollars because you just take the $15,000 and you take it over the years that they have remaining. In our case, we didn't do that. What we did was set two values, a very minimum value, looking at just having success for two years and in only a third of the participants going through. And then set that value against another um, option, which would be four years. And that's how we produce an estimate overall within that range. Te Ara Oranga cost $3 million to set up, and Darren Walton says it costs about $2 million a year to run. Last week, in an opinion piece for the New Zealand Herald, former Prime Minister Helen Clark questioned the inaction by government to expand Te Ara Oranga. I quote, One wonders why the important evaluation of the Northland programme was quietly released two days before Christmas with no accompanying promises of a funding injection for expanding this proven initiative. End quote. The Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern promised to expand Te Ara Oranga to 4,000 more people in the Bay of Plenty and East Coast during the 2020 election campaign. Last year, Health Minister Andrew Little made a commitment to roll it out nationwide, but no timeline was given and so far, nothing has happened. I'm a little bit surprised by that. That's Chris Wilkins, a Massey University associate professor with a background in researching drugs like methamphetamine. 
And it's important to note he's completely independent from Te Ara Oranga and the evaluation report. They have had a lot on their plates um, in terms of COVID and uh, other things, but I really think that in terms of resource, I mean, I think the first thing is to get different in different regions, getting um, the top people within police and health to support the implementation in their region. And then, uh, I mean, even though resources needed, I don't think the resource is huge, to be honest, um, because a lot of it involves components that are already working in the community. So NGOs like um, the Drug Helpline and all those kind of, and iwi that may already been operating services. So I think that point has to be made and it might mean moving a bit of money around, but it's, I don't think it's a huge commitment of money. Mm. So it really, you know, I guess the ball's in Labour's court to do something. Do we have a, a national, have we ever had a national program for meth in terms of targeting meth in this ha- kind of health sense? Well, we've had various, what they used to call the methamphetamine action plan. We've had a national drug policy, which is actually running out. So that hasn't been um, updated uh, recently. I think that finished in 2020. So um We've, we've had various action plans um, and and actually a lot of what has gone on to date in the response to methamphetamine, a lot of the components can be seen in this program actually, that, that early on there was a, a more greater understanding that we need more community and health response. So I think there is you know aspects of this that could be really made into a national plan. You know, it's interesting to know that it's not, it's not doesn't sound like it's uh, main priority at the moment. Uh, I mean, I think they also, they've had the cannabis referendum. Well, the final votes have been counted and although New Zealand's cannabis referendum result has narrowed significantly under special votes, it's still a no. You know, for better or worse, that took up a lot of time from their point of view in terms of developing the legislation and the referendum failed. So maybe they're a bit gun shy in terms of changes, but I think there has been a lot of this health focus of drug policy is certainly something they've been pushing so I would have thought this fitted in quite nicely to that. Andrew Little told the detail the government is committed to the rollout of Te Ara Oranga by the end of this parliamentary term. How do we implement this program into other areas? The first most important point is that the partnership between health and police, and the mindset shift that's required is essential, right? So without that, it won't work. So along with a mindset shift to get ahead of the problem by seeking it out in the case of police, by offering up the types of resources that allow engagement within a health context to communities, to family, whānau, those things need to be implemented. Um, They're quite tricky. I don't think it's straightforward to take non-traditional roles like Pofano connectors um, into other areas without, you know, an understanding of the support that's required for those positions. And the recommendation is that they be developed with an education and a training program that supports them to grow in the role um, so that they become better and better at it over time. One of the difficulties faced in Northland was that the distribution of resources was difficult to apply. A place like Kaitaia with 5,000 people has one Pofano connector and a place like Whangarei with 50 
4,000 or more um, has, has the same, right? So it becomes quite tricky to allocate those resources. Community engagement and buy-in is also essential. So the experience of the people in Northland was was one of suspicion at first. It was quite difficult for some of the service providers to see police who traditionally locked people up for the same activity that they're now trying to be supportive of an individual on a pathway to recovery. And they may have had personal experience and be sitting around a table with police who had locked up Bano for drug-related offending. And so pretty tricky for police to navigate and pretty tricky for health. But the goodwill derives from the need when everyone recognises that actually um, this is a pathway which is successful and that there is no that there is no solution in kind of the traditional siloed approach that has to work in cooperation across agencies. And the partnership is the most important thing. I'm sure that it is challenging to people who first encounter it as a new way of thinking. And I'm sure that that can be overcome because it was overcome in Northland, where it was probably the most challenging place of all to, to implement. So, yeah, I'm confident that people would see the benefits. I also think that it's now well evidenced, and I guess that's the point of an evaluation to come along and give good guidance and support to how it can be developed and improved, but also to give reassurance that to, to, to everyone who might look in from the outside that the program does work. It does reduce offending. It does produce benefits. It does tap into different markets. It produces an outcome which is you know, really positive from the perspective of the types of criteria you apply to the success of the program. So from that end, I think um, it should be something that people adopt easily as an alternative to their current practice. That's it for today. I'm Jessie Chang. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and is a joint newsroom and RNZ production. You can download us free to your mobile phone every weekday on any podcast platform. Jeremy Ansell engineered this episode, Sarah Robson produced it, and thanks to Darren Moulton and Chris Wilkins. Kaikete anō. Kaikete anō.